A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good plan. Good plan. Who Welcome to the Outer Sanctum today for another edition of the fifth quarter. I am Julia Kiera and I am delighted today to be chatting to you with Lauren Arnell, the inaugural coach of Port Adelaide's AFLW team. Today, the Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Boomerang and Bunurong people. We recognise their continuing connection and deep cultural connection to the land and waters and that sovereignty of this land was never ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Loz, thank you for joining us today. And what land are you coming in to us from? Thank you. Great to join you, Jules. I'm coming from Ghana land and I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners, past, present and emerging. Thanks, Loz. Lovely to see you. I'll do a little spiel about you. And I've got to admit, I had a lot of trouble just containing this into a small paragraph. So Lauren, you've had a long career in football, including as a star of the VWFL and VFLW competitions, including multiple premierships. You were the inaugural captain of Carlton's AFLW side, and you were also involved in their successful bid for a license for year one. You then moved to Brisbane, where you became a premiership player. You're a teacher, you're a football commentator. You've also worked for the AFL in coaching development. I think that's enough. (laughs) There's a lot more there. Thank you again for joining us. First, Loz, how are you going? I'm great. It's um, it's nice to talk to an old teammate always and an old friend. So I'm stoked to be talking to you, Jules. Oh, that's um, great. It's lovely to see your face. Things are things are great. I mean, first preseason AFLW preseason as the senior coach in AFLW. So uh, things are busy, but um, really exciting. And got a wonderful group of people, players and staff over here to work with. So um, things are great. The last time the AFLW world really saw you was uh, in the winning grand final for Brisbane in April 2021. I'm sure you've been a busy bee because now in July of 2022, you're the first retired AFLW player to take on a head coaching role. So what has happened between that grand final day and now to get you here? Quite a lot has happened personally and professionally since since the end of my playing career. Um, I guess from a professional sense, continued my work as senior coach or head coach of the female program in the Lions Academy in Brisbane. I uh, was teaching um, and coaching in, in Brisbane. I was teaching at a brand new secondary school in, in, a, in a city in the south of Brisbane, which was just so exciting to, to be in a space as a teacher that's brand new. That was unreal. And, um, yeah, I guess continuing radio, I did a couple of Brisbane Lions AFLW games for Fox footy. And, yeah, I think it's it's probably just been like a really quick turnaround back into AFLW that in some ways I may not have been expecting. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been great. Can you tell us a bit about getting the Port Adelaide job? Yeah, sure. So Juliet Haslam, who's the head of AFLW at Port Adelaide, gave me a call. It must have been sort of early to mid mid-March um, 
And I honestly didn't really know a hell of a lot about Juliet, but it just so happened that Port Adelaide were travelling to Brisbane to play in, in the AFL men's competition in round one. And so she was travelling with the men's team and uh, we arranged to have a coffee and I didn't really know exactly why she wanted to have a coffee with me. I was probably uh, not really expecting what she what she had to say and it was a very, very instant connection between Juliet and myself. Um, we've got very aligned values and um, and thoughts and philosophies around life and, and sport and um, I guess the conversation just took off from there and uh, went through a formal interview process of two interviews with a range of board members and, and staff within the football club and football department and landed the job. You sure did. <laughs> I guess, you know, for me, I was so excited when I saw your appointment and obviously I think you're very deserving and you're one of the smartest football people out there. But I think to a lot of people within AFLW were just so excited to see finally a retired AFLW player getting a gig and hopefully you're the first of many. But during your time working for the AFL, you drove the creation and delivery of the She Can Coach program, of which I was um, one of the, I was in the first group, which was really great for me and I know for a lot of other women coaches. And it was around professional development and mentorship for coaches to work out what they wanted to do and to take their coaching to the next level. And it's not lost on me that you were leading that program to upskill all these other coaches <laughs> and that in the room there was a, often a lot of um, anxiety around um, our technical knowledge and a lot of the conversation was kind of re-gearing it around, no, 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 don't stress about that, just have the confidence to go in and own the room and all, any technical knowledge you don't have, you're going to pick up. That's not the be all and end all. But I feel like you had an opportunity to speak to so many coaches there and be part of those conversations. And is there anything that really stands out to you from that time where you picked up that you, I guess, have put into your own toolbox about coaching and coaching development? I've loved that you brought it up, Julia, and I love that you were in, in that group. Yeah, obviously I've had to do a, a lot of media since I've, had the role and a lot of the media that I do I find not that I have to justify that I'm in the role but I think a lot of people see oh Lauren Arnell played AFLW why can she coach Mm. Um, (laughs) and I guess you and I go a fair way back you've probably known me since my early 20s Mm. Um, but yeah the context of even the decision making around the coffee with Juliet Haslam to then go hey Juliet I actually need a couple of days to think about whether I'm ready to apply for this and it did take me two days in um, very deep levels of thinking. And I, I did draw back to the She Can Coach program, which um, I was fortunate enough to deliver. And it became a really big reason why I chose to apply. Mm. It, I really felt very heavily entrenched in everything that I'd asked all of you to think about mm. and challenge yourself on. You know, at, at that time in my life, early March this year, you know, like all of the barriers that I'd seen years before in presenting that She Can Coach program for yourselves, um, you know, from self-belief uh, to am I, am I the imposter syndrome? Am mm. I, can I do this? To um, do I have enough experience? Am I capable? What else am I doing in my life? What's happening from a family perspective? Like I was, could not have been more deeply entrenched in that space. And so having delivered the She Can Coach program years before, honestly, it, it was probably the big reason why I said, no, well, this is every reason I need to go and apply for this. Um, so I'm actually really glad that you've brought that up, Jules. Oh, good. Yeah, I think that that imposter syndrome seems so heavy often in the room and 
so much of the speakers you brought in and the mentors you hooked us up with was around reshaping that stuff of you know, you know, that we all know it. We just feel like we don't. And sometimes I think being around male coaches in just men in football, there's often talk around all the, all the technical aspects and that seems to be the focus. Um, and that seems to be prioritising sometimes what's important. And, yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd like to add to that. I've just finished my Level 3 course and mm. when I was weighing up whether to apply or not, I, my mentor through my Level 3 course is actually um, a guy who's a coach developer in rugby of all sports, which mm. was perfect because he's not heavily entrenched in the AFL industry. And he said to me, um, he'd watched me coach only a few weeks prior to, to all of this and he, he said to me, don't confuse experience with ability. Mm. And yep. that was that was absolute gold. And and then the other piece that I, I always take with me, which came from the She Can Coach program. I know we had a we had a dinner that sort of finalised the whole the whole program. And um, Simone Wilkie, AFL commissioner, spoke to the room, and uh, I'll never forget her, her what she spoke about. But the biggest thing I took from that was leave the ladder down. Mm. And so she was talking around some of us some of us get opportunities at different times, and some of us don't. But always. If you find yourself climbing the higher levels of the ladder, leave the ladder down and and bring bring the next group of women along with you. And mm. that's something that really resonates with me and something that I want to make sure that I continue to do. And you'll continue doing it. But it's an ongoing thing and I think you don't need to be feel threatened that someone's going to pass you by because if they do, it's probably because they're going in a different direction and there's space for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, you know, even within getting this role, there, there's some funny questions that come from funny places in the media around, oh, who's next and different things like that. And I think, well, if if a female was able to take this role from after I've had had a go at it, fantastic. You know, this is definitely not about me. This is, this is about Port Adelaide AFLW team. Before we do these interviews, we often throw to the rest of the Outer Sanctum group, you know, questions that people might want to ask. And there was a questions for you around you know who are your mentors and I chuckled to myself because I thought Lauren is actually someone who's really you've always sought mentors in different parts of your life I remember us having conversations around you seeking mentorship around media we both shared a mentor for a bit and in Beck and I I know that that's something that you've just always sought out. So why is mentorship so important to you and what's it given you? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why. I I I, I think why I seek mentors constantly, it probably speaks to my inner drive and personality that um, I'm always seeking to be better. Sometimes often that's really healthy and sometimes it's actually not. Sometimes Mm. I try I do too much and I've had moments you know in the last few years where I've probably sought too many mentors and I've I've had to kind of go well what am I doing here like I need to focus a little bit narrow this a little bit more who are my mentors now yeah it varies um, <laughs> after this catch-up I'm actually one of my more formal mentors which is a really nice informal relationship is Tanya Obst who's the head coach of Adelaide Thunderbirds netball here in Adelaide. Um, we're we're going to go for a walk after this little chat with you, Jules. Hmm. Um, Darren Kale is one from from Port Adelaide. He's a board member and coaching Yannick Sinner, who just lost a quarter final in Wimbledon. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's some formal pieces and then there's some informal. Um, I rely quite heavily from um, just a connection piece. My, my partner's also a coach and her wisdom from teaching and, and just who she is, is we, we have a lot of conversations around what we both do, um, which is helpful. And 
you know, then you, you go back to like the Darabin days of, of Peter Searle. You know, I know that if, I, if I've got something that Pete can help me with, she'll, I know that she'll pick up the phone. And Nathan Burke I'm really close with at the Bulldogs. Uh, David Noble, who's now at North Melbourne, was someone who really helped my career progression off-field in Brisbane before he went to North Melbourne. So I, I am really fortunate in the footy sense and, um, and beyond that, just to have a lot of people that I feel I can trust with different things. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Craig Starsevich and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum Podcast. You've been involved in several clubs and different programs over the years and you've experienced the highs and definitely the lows both on and off the field. Um, You've experienced how brutal football and clubs can be and that clubs demand loyalty of their players and staff, but they can fire or trade you at the drop of a hat. So (laughs) what are some of the big lessons you've learned so far about the world of AFLW and how you're going to use that to build success support? Wow. Uh, there's, there's a lot. We probably don't have time to go through them all. But I think um, one which may come across as a bit cynical is football doesn't really owe anyone anything. But what I have found is football's given me all the very best parts of my life. Um, but if you expect football to give you what you want, uh, it often doesn't doesn't come through. And probably what I'm referencing there is is a longer career at, initially at Carlton, and um, you know getting to a point where your captain in season one, vice captain season two, and you get to the end of season two and half steps in as coach and has to sit me down and have a coffee and say, Loz, you better find somewhere else to play. That was really, really difficult part of my life. Like I was, that was hard. I was, I'm really grateful that I had work at that time because um, I felt like I'd kind of let everyone down and yeah, I was pretty flat on myself to be honest, but to have this, a lesson I learned through that is it's, it was good to have work outside of football. And it's, it's a really challenging piece of a conversation for me is how we acknowledge financially our female athletes in AFLW and put, place that against, um, you know, footy for the, for the most lucky of us, we, we might play footy for five or six plus years, but the average men's career is, is about three or four years, I believe, across the competition. And we've just hit an 18-team AFLW competition. And um, as a female athlete, I believe I find it hard to see us being paid equally I think that's still a very long way away. I think we'll be paid we'll be paid well for our players, but to look after yourself for the rest of your life, I'm very passionate about protecting a space for work and study for our female athletes. And a big part of that comes from, you know, when, when I was going through a really tough time in that second year at Carlton, I was getting out of bed because I had to go to work in coach development and that gave me purpose. You know, the higher levels you get to in sport, the, the lower the lows and, mm. um, you know, life is far more than just sport. Yeah, indeed. And it, it, it is going to be a trade-off with AFLW as it becomes more professional. How do we keep well-rounded people who can, you know, have a great sense of self both 
on and off the field? Oh, yeah, I think that the, the difficult space is we, we need to acknowledge our female athletes and, and pay them, pay our athletes what they're worth, I guess you could say. Um, sounds a bit gross when you say it like that. But, yeah, how I can mentor my the players that I get to coach um, and ensure that when they get to – I'm 35 now – I've got a healthy superannuation balance, as boring as that sounds, because I had to teach for, I taught and worked for nearly 10 years before AFLW was a thing. And I, mm. what I don't want for my, my athletes is for them to get to 35 and have gone from uh, hopefully what's a, almost a six-figure full-time income as an athlete, but not a lot of super and not a lot of job experience on their CV to look after them for, for the rest of their lives. It's a conundrum. Let's shift now to actually talking about court um, and the team that you've assembled there. The last time, you know, the South Australians saw you, you were breaking their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good thing if you're a Port Adelaide person. That's exactly right. So how do you think this rivalry between the two uh, teams is going to go? It's almost delicious that you are the head coach of Port. <laughs> I have chosen to be a bit cheeky publicly on that. <laughs> that my last game was beating the Crows in a premiership at Adelaide Oval. And I'll, I'll, I'll continue that. I think it's a bit of fun. And, you know, there is a, a very, it's beyond spicy, the rivalry. It's, it's, it runs deep here in, in Adelaide and, and across SA. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the first ever showdown at Adelaide Oval. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a full house. We are looking to work alongside the Crows to make that an acknowledgement of women's sport in South Australia, not just, not just AFL, um, not just footy. So, you know, it's, it's a really exciting space. And in terms of the list we've built, I, I keep looking to the right of me. You can probably, I know you can see me at the moment, Julia, but I'm looking to the right of me. I've got a list of magnets on a whiteboard here and, We've got, we've got a wonderful group of people and, and some very good footballers on our list. Yeah, so let's talk about the list. You know, I um, watching the Port Sun and Trey just thought, wow, you've really managed to lure people from, you've, you've managed to convince people to move states. You've moved states, so you have, you've convinced a lot of people to move states. You've convinced people to come across town from Adelaide. So how did you go about doing that? And what were you kind of, what vision were you, were you selling those players I think it's really important to make sure that everyone knows it, it wasn't really me. It was Naomi Maidman, our list manager. I think obviously Naomi's been incredible and one of the only female list managers in competition and uh, her day job works for SA Police in a, in a pretty incredible role and her work in and her ability to be relatable to athletes and understand what they, what their needs are. She, she's got history as a, as a state-based cricketer for SA um, and also been heavily involved in football here in SA and, and coaches our Port Adelaide Academy. So I think what, what the athletes in AFLW want is a genuine conversation. They want honesty, um, authenticity. They want an environment that's going to support them. And I think that's what we were able to offer. And Naomi really led the way in that sense. We're also really targeted in the type of person that we wanted on our list, not just the type of footballer. And we feel we've got a group of group of young women who want to get the best out of themselves but also support their teammates to be the best that they can be. Look, the list does look really exciting and I can't wait to see you play that round one against West Coast. Tell us about the timing. Who signed on first, you or Erin Phillips? Oh, definitely myself, Erin. Uh, my my media announcement for my role was delayed slightly for a bunch mm -hmm. of different reasons um, and Erin was still very much in season So through that finals period. So you could anyone could assume from the outside, knowing the Phillips family story, that um, Port Adelaide would be home for Erin. When, when we had a team, but I also think that 
it's, a lot of people probably don't understand the connection that she had at her previous club and everything that she'd done for the Crows and within the Crows is is beyond probably what I could describe. And so it, it was actually a really big decision for Erin to make um, at a point where there's a lot of fatigue through the back end of the season for every single player and staff member in the competition. So um, I know that she didn't definitely didn't take it lightly. Yeah, it was it was a big process for Erin to make that decision, which came very much after myself. Can you tell us a bit more about the talent in South Australia that you're getting to know now? <laughs> Honestly, like it, it's um, there's some exceptionally good footballers coming through the ranks. You'll see our draftees throughout the season. Um, Hannah Ewings was was our first pick at Port Adelaide, um, currently working as a chef, actually. So not finishing year 12, which I think that with the timing of the season for Hannah um, and the career path she's previously chosen will, will be really helpful for her to get stuck into footy. Uh, I'll talk about our second pick and then sort of beyond that. So Sarah Goodwin, really super quick athletic halfback, um, nice ball user out of Glenelg. But I think one thing about the SA talent that's different in the other states is having been in Victoria and in Queensland, the under-18 talent for me tends to play a lot of under-18 footy. Um, and I found in Lions Academy, the top, the most talented young players um, and teenagers, they, they hadn't really played senior footy. And so when they hit a national carnival and they're playing the best 18-year-olds around the country, it can be a fair shock to the system because the game's a lot quicker than the games they're used to playing against their peers in those states. In South Australia, um, all the best, most talented sort of 16 to 18-year-olds play SANFL senior footy in, in a much faster, much more physical game. While there's there's some benefits and sometimes there can be some some negatives to that, I've found for the talent pathway here in SA, it, it's a huge strength and, and has certainly made a difference to the development of the players that we've been able to list in the draft. Having this experience across kind of three states now, do you think there's any merit to the argument that the growth of the game at AFRW level is unsustainable and it needed to slow down? I know you're the head coach of a new team, but... um, expansion teams coming in? Yeah, that we've gone from eight to 18 in seven years. It's fast growth. Anyone who knows anything about AFRW would say Port Adelaide has needed to come into the competition Mm. at least now. Yeah, I think... As we see, you know, the CBA that's come through for the players, wages increase, I think we'll see talent move out of home states and spread across the country. And, there, you know, there are, I think, yeah, again, anyone that follows AFLW would know there's there's some other states that perhaps need more talent to move towards them, particularly New South Wales and a little bit of WA. Um, but WA classically has been a strong footy state. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, short, short response <laughs> I, think, I think it's great. I think mm. it's wonderful that we've got an 18-team AFLW competition. If anyone has expectations around standard or what this looks like or what that looks like, you know, I think we just need to put further investment into the soft cap, further investment into, into the clubs that are delivering the competition. And, um, and as you've seen, every single year W gets better and mm. it's only getting better from what I'm seeing. If we just round out this conversation, you said you're only you're 35. You said it like, oh, my God, I'm 35, but you're only 35. Uh, but you've achieved a lot in football. And if you went back to Lauren first starting out in footy, where did you play your first game, Ballarat? Where did you start first Yeah, time? so I moved out of home when I was 17 and I was my first year of uni was in Ballarat. That's how you found out about footy? Yeah, mm. yeah. It was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could go back to young Lauren in the rat 
starting out, what would you say to her? You should have got fit a few years ago, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> nah, oh, that's tongue in cheek. Uh, hold on for a wild ride, I would say. Mm. I think I had no expectation of anything. I just thought it was the best thing ever that I could kick a footy. And I can. I took selfies in the mirror at Rebel Sport when I bought my first pair of footy shorts and they were enormous. Um, <laughs> that, that was an absolute highlight. I was 17, 18 years old and I finally got to wear a pair of footy shorts. That was cool. Yeah, probably just hold on for the ride and enjoy it. I think, um, you know, even my time at Darabin, like I only spent one year in Ballarat and then transferred unis back to RMIT in Melbourne and went straight to Darabin. But yeah, I think everyone at Darabin sort of always talked around like how special the group was and and how important it was to really soak in every moment. And, you know, having gone through 12 years, I think we played 12 grand finals and won 10 in my time there. I still don't really think I soaked in enough of what was there. Mm. I think I've been heavily, heavily influenced as a person in my time at Darabin, um, and I'm so grateful for that. And people such as yourself and Roy Butsakakis and Karen Stevens have been huge mentors for me that I don't know if I really appreciated that at the time. And it probably took me a bit too long in footy to realise, like, you know, the little things of sticking around but back at the footy club and spending more time with your teammates, um, is the gold of footy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think if I had my time again and I could talk to 17-year-old Lauren, I'd probably say stick around a little bit longer than what you did until you probably hit mid-20s. I think about that time a lot and that we didn't know how good we had it. And I'd say to myself, no, no. just get up and dance. I never used to dance at those parties. I was too self-conscious. <laughs> well, I think you and I have real strength of finding deep, meaningful one-on-one <laughs> conversations. <laughs> And um, I was grateful that you weren't dancing because I didn't really want to either. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I think we'll leave it there. Bit of You're the Voice sung into a uh, ladle. Thank you so much for joining us, Loz. Um, Wishing you all the best for this season. Uh, Many more to come. Port Adelaide. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.